whoever performs best in her sales team this year, how much could they make? A million dollars. Oh, wow. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster, minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Maury Blackman. He's got 20 years of experience leading mission-driven, high-growth tech companies that make an impact by connecting communities and providing a more transparent world. In 2016, EY named him Northern California's Entrepreneur of the Year for his work in Excella's, as Excella's chairman and CEO. In 2018, he took the helm at Premise Data, a San Francisco company operating a software platform for empowering the world's highest impact institution and companies to track and comprehend ground truth. Maury, you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. Let's go. Data space is hot. Help us understand where Premise fits. Well, we're a market intelligence platform. And so this this space, when, when I first took a look at the business, I was blown away by the tech stack. And at the same time, the tech vision, the tech stack, at the same time, when I looked at the space and the different players in there that basically serve uh, large organizations and global companies in their market intelligence need, I found them, found them to be very dated and antiquated in their processes. And so what Premise does at the highest level is we recruit a we recruit contributors on a global basis. We're in 100 different 20 countries. And we find these individuals, they're ordinary individuals um, through social media. They download our app. We run them through some training exercises. And the output of that, they can enter into a task marketplace where our clients have posted small data collection jobs that once completed and all conflated together provide very powerful insights about their brands, their campaigns, their policies, whatever it is want, they want to measure to help them um, understand their businesses. Very interesting mousetrap. Obviously, we see Zoom Info and what Henry's done with the Discover Zoom Info acquisition. The market cap there is incredible. You also have up-and-comers like Enigma really taking off in this space, all different data traps. I haven't heard somebody doing what you're doing, where it's essentially something like Mechanical Turk almost, but you're only posting data captured jobs. I mean, is that accurate? Correct, correct. And and Nathan, we draw a lot of inspiration here from Zoom Info. I mean, mm-hmm. Zoom Info is a market intelligence platform for sales and marketing organizations. The way I frame Premise is that we're a market intelligence platform for the world. So, you're selling. What is the number one um, job title of your buyer? Someone paying Premise? Sure. Oh, a, a brand manager, a marketer at a large company, someone who's focused on data, data and analytics at, at a large organization. Okay, so so can you can you maybe talk about like a customer that actually used you for this and the result of what they got as an output of the the tasks being run? 
Yeah, sure. So um, ABMBev is an example. Um, they were one of our first customers when I joined uh, the company. And what they wanted to understand, this is you know, a pretty, pretty interesting topic. They understand beer freshness globally. So how quickly were their products moving off the shelf? And not just in one geo, but across the whole world. And so what we were able to do is very quickly, um, through our through our contributors, go out and capture that information off the back of off the back back label of the beer, and uh, give them a very rich look in a very fast. I mean, I think that's the key here is that a lot of these studies that your traditional marketers would do would take you know three, four, five, six months. It premise you know we can accomplish that beer freshness study. And just a matter of weeks. Interesting. And what are customers paying on average to use this tech? Our our, our typical customer is paying us around a hundred thousand a year. And and how many tests are they running for that ACV? Well, we, the way we the way we sell it is um, we've divided up the world. So different tasks require different amounts of payments. And so we have what we call credits. And so we, we scope it out with them on an annual basis about how much data collection they're going to do and how much the complexity around it. And then we provide them with, okay, here's here's the cost from a credit perspective based on our understanding of what you want to do. And if they don't use those credits, do you refund or roll them over? Uh, it's a use it or lose it. <laughs> we're, we're a SaaS business here. Yeah, I was going to say, tra- tra- trap question here. I'm going to lay it on you. Though. Okay, so use it or lose it. Interesting. And, and how do you... So- when I hear, I look at this as usage-based pricing, right? This is a trend. Snowflake, just IPO, they're almost purely usage-based billing. And one of the things that's tricky about Snowflake's modeling when you talk to, you know, Slootman and the team there is it's really hard to model some of this because, you know, in a year like COVID, a bunch of people will decrease usage, but a bunch will increase usage. And so they've been able to obviously hit ridiculously high net dollar retention rates because they just drive usage and rates go up. Help me understand how you think about net dollar retention relative to selling credits. Well, I think that what, you know, similar to Snowflake, what we see is that once people start using the product, they get addicted to the, they get addicted to the data. And, you know, so it becomes a crutch for them. It's like they, they understand in the past, hey, we've been flying blind. We haven't had proper information about how to make decisions with the right insights. And so once they start to sample what premise has to offer and how quickly they can get data that can help them drive, drive their decisions, um, then it just becomes, you know, it, it's got that flywheel effect to it where they just start relying on it more and more and start buying more and more credits from us. So Mari, can I ask you, is your net dollar retention greater than 120%? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can I ask how much higher? Well, w- keep in mind, Nathan, we're, we're still pretty early, but it's around 250 to 300%. Wait, Mari, come on. That's like, that's like insanity high. I mean, like gong, I'm looking at some of my, you know, gong, we just had a meet on, he's at 150% net dollar retention. UiPath just raised at a ridiculous valuation, 33 X implied valuation multiple with 140% net dollar retention, 230. I, well, 250 to 300, but I think keep in mind, we're still early days. Okay. And so the number, the number of clients that we're serving today is, is we just signed our 80th, our, our 80th logo. And so these are very, very new organizations, and it's just ramping so fast. They'll try us out as a, in a POC, so maybe spend you know ten, twenty thousand dollars, mm-hmm. and then once they see the power of this, and they just you know the floodgates just open up. And so I would expect that to normalize over the next you know twenty four, thirty six months. And to have, you know, maybe something around 120, like you suggested. Yeah, it's still impressive. I mean, early on having, you know, 250 to 300% expansion year over year, even after churn, that's a great number. Now, can I take 80 customers times the ACV average? You just gave me 100 grand. You guys are flirting with an 8 million run rate right now? Um, I, what's higher than that? Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm averaging it out for you. Okay. And 
but we we have some we do have some customers that are paying considerably more. Ah, so right now our run rate's around twenty million. Oh, thanks for sharing that. That's super helpful. The reason I'm asking is because you have a very interesting profile when you look at the timing of the VC raises you guys have done. There's a very long gap between 2015 and the one you guys just recently did. Help me understand how and why you got involved with the company. Yeah, great question. Um, I came on board in 2018, as you mentioned. Um, I started interviewing in late 2017, and I, I love the concept and the TAM. The TAM for this space is $45 billion. But what what was really challenging for me is even though the company had been in business for several years, they raised a bunch of money. They had what, no what year? What year was founding? Say again. What year was the company founded? 20, 2012. 2012. And so between 2012, 2013 up to 2018 when I joined, there was really no commercial activity. And so what I had to do is come in and, you know, this is a horizontal application. It can serve almost any industry. And so what I did is really focused our efforts in three key verticals because we had limited resources. And what I wanted to do was find a, what I would call an initial founding customer set that we could consolidate around and build from there. And, and who Once, was, what was that consolidation? Yeah. Um, well, I mentioned ABM Bev, Western Union, Facebook, um, uh, Gates Foundation, US government, the UK government. Uh, that, was, that was really the initial phase that we were focused on. Now. I mentioned to you, you know, these these customers would spend on the average when we first signed them up somewhere between 50 and 200K. But that, you know, once we got through that initial year and proved out the business and people got addicted to the data, they got addicted to the insights we were providing to them. On average, they spent 500 percent more. Interesting. Now, help me understand a little bit about growth rate here. Right. So 20 million run rate today. Where were you about a year ago? Do you remember? Ten. 10. Oh, okay. I mean, this is impressive growth. The question that I have is how on earth did the initial founders convince Baylor to put in 50 million right back in 2015 with such little revenue? And, and it sounds like not great growth until you sort of joined and changed things. Yeah, I think, I think that the, the technology, the vision, the capability, the size of the market just really excited the, you know, Sand Hill here in, in San Francisco. And so, they were able to. They were able to generate, you know, significant value. Um, well, they, they were. They were the build, They were able to build a, a very strong valuation case back even in 2015 with very little revenue, or or no revenue, just based on vision. And, and you know, we see that all the time, right? Wait, Mark, how good of a sales? How good of a sales job did they do when they raised 50? What valuation was it on? That you know, I don't even know the number. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was, you know, it's definitely a good, um, you know, they were, they were great. And, but the vision here, Nathan is, is very, very powerful. And this market's very underserved and it has a very large TAM. So your phone's good. That, that means that's a yeah. customer call and you're closing sales. We love it. Yeah. That, you know, this whole, the whole, <laughs> this whole new world that we're living in these days is kind of crazy. I need to learn how to turn all this stuff off. Well, Mark, the, the reason I'm asking these questions around valuation is you're clearly a talent. I mean, I just read your bio before you came on live here with me. They must have put the freaking silver platter in front of you to come in and do this. You then raise another $85 million. I mean, hopefully that wasn't a down round. But how do they incentivize a guy like you to come in here and turn the ship around? Well, we did a when, – when we came on board, we needed to raise more capital. Uh, we we knew we were going to need to raise more capital. So effectively, what we agreed to do is that we would do a quick inside round. And, you know, I'd had some success in the past and been very fortunate. So 
they offered me the ability to invest in that round with them, which I did. And then they gave me a pretty good, pretty good slug of equity to, to get it going. I so see. It was, it's very exciting. I mean, it's almost like I founded the company yep. from, you know, from that standpoint. So do you own more than 10% now? Yes. Oh, there you go. Okay, cool. And then what was the Series D? How much did you guys raise right when you joined? Uh, we raised $15 million. Interesting. And how, when you did that, there was, a, I imagine, a big debate between you and the insiders about how much you needed to raise to get X amount of runway. How much runway were you negotiating for? One year. You Okay, just one year. Interesting. And then obviously it panned out. You grow 100% year over year. You go do $85 million with, uh, with, what is it, Westcap, I think? Correct. And what are they like working with as partners? Uh, they're great. I mean, these guys, you know, Lawrence Tosi is the man. I mean, I, this guy has tremendous operating experience and tremendous investing experience. You, you can't beat him. Mm -hmm. And when you go out and tell that story, obviously you're trying to get a much larger valuation to minimize dilution. What valuation story were you able to tell? Well, essentially what I was able to, you know, it was, there was, there was two parts of it. There was obviously the big vision about where we were headed, but also the, the, financial traction that we had. We went, you know, so the first year I was here, we did, we did 4 million in revenue, which was, you know, that was exciting. We hadn't had revenue before. And then, you know, kind of following on the back of that, we did 10 and then we had a clear line of sight to 20. And the way, the way the world looks today, it looks like we'll be able to double again. So we're you really, you think by December, 2021, you'll break 40 million, 35, 40 million in error. I do. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, being a SaaS business, I mean, obviously one of the things that we love about it is that we're able to predict what our revenue looks like. And if we, you know, we have an opportunity to do much better than 40 million, but I think it, you know, given what we see today, that that's a strong possibility, you know, but back to, you ask about, we bought us, we bought ourselves a year with the 15 million, but one of the unforeseen circumstances of course was COVID. So I listened to a couple of your other um, podcasts before you, you really like bootstrap companies and well, it I depends. You, I just like founders getting rich, and usually that means stay bootstrapped. <laughs> yeah, 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 that that's true. But I think I think it's really interesting. You know what what happened is that we got pat we got to that year, and you know I was, you know I'd planned on kicking off the fundraise in April May timeframe to finish it in July, so that you know we'd have a comfortable amount of cash. But with COVID, you know I thought, hey this is thing's going to be over in three or four months. We might as well put the fundraise on hold until we can really hit the road and, and do a strong raise. And obviously the world didn't work out that way. So we had to get pretty aggressive and, you know, do a raise over zoom, which, you know, had a lot of interesting challenges, but at the same time, what we were able to do is run, we ran very lean operation until this last uh, raise closed. Mm -hmm. And then most people in their series, either selling somewhere between 10 and 20% of the business. Is it fair to say you were in that same range? Yes. Got it. What's the next step? If you go up to break 35, 40 million run rate this year, what's next? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, we just, we've got, you know, we've got a pretty big war chest right now, a lot of dry powder. And so we want to propel ourselves into the hundred million dollar range as quickly as possible. And then what you like SPAC direct listing or regular IPO? Yeah. God, what a great question. I, I've been, I've always been so averse to SPACs. <laughs> it just does not, you know, it seemed, you know, it always seemed to me kind of like a backwards way of, of getting public, but you know, these days it's, it's really exciting. So I, I, I feel like that I'm going to give you that very canned answer that we're just going to build shareholder value here and see what happens next. Mm -hmm. what, what talk to me, I mean, we've talked a lot about numbers and the story, but what about the product? I mean, where do you see the, what's happening with the product over the next 12 months? Well, we're really aggressively rolling out in the U S 
um, one of the things that we did initially is, you know, kind of we figured out what's our, you know, what's our core competency here? What is it that we do really well? And we found that we had an extraordinary opportunity to help brands reach the, you know, all places in the earth that they didn't typically have access to. Um, and so that that really helped us out quite a bit in the early stages. But now that we're starting to mature as a business, we want to do is expand rapidly here in the U.S. And so that's going to take some significant investment on our part. We're probably going to be plowing 10 to 20 million of our raise into building out network and infrastructure here in the U.S. But we think that that will you know, give us a five to five to six times return in pretty short order. And obviously, you're a competitive guy. There's a lot of competitors in this sort of space. It sounds like you just raised it somewhere between a 450 and 900 million dollar valuation. Do you get any nervousness about growing into that valuation? I, I have, I have no worry at all. I mean, my, you know, I, I think a lot of times about, you know, it's like what keeps you up at night. I just feel like that, it, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a CEO, you know, what I want to make sure that I'm doing is focusing on the business. Getting getting the key metrics back that I need, but we got to grow quickly. Um, you know, like you said, this is a competitive space, and we need to we just need to plow into it as quickly as possible and and get revenue share. Yep, no, I hear you. Talk to me about the the team. The most important thing: how many folks are on the team? We have 120 employees. Okay, uh, that's up. You know, I'm I'm very proud to say that that's up from 50 this time last year, and you know, so we've hired all the way through the pandemic. Uh, but we have a great group of individuals, and um, you know we're just continue we're continuing to hire. We think by the end of this year we'll have close to four hundred people. How many engineers? Uh, we have seventy. Wow. Okay. And what about uh, quota carrying sales reps? We have about well that that's where we've been a little bit light. Um, we have somewhere between five and ten, depending on how you count it. You know, we we look at government sales or public sector sales a little bit different than commercial sales. So it, on public sector, we do it more as a team. So you have a team-based quota versus in the commercial sector, it's individualized. You run triathlons and I assume have extreme rigor. You calculate everything down to the second. Same thing with your sales team. When someone is onboarded to the sales team member and they're selling these commercial contracts, what ratio do you like to set up for them in terms of the total amount they can earn on base plus commission relative to the quota targets they're hitting? Well, I, I think that when you're at a company of this size, what you want to do is you want to make it very clear and easy for your sales team to make a lot of money. And so we will typically set up like a 50-50 plan where 50% base, 50% on target earnings. But I really put a lot of kickers in, in their plan so that if they overachieve, they're going to make a, they're going to make an outsized return on what they would if they just did a you know what they just did as we expected them to what, what whoever performs we don't you don't know who it's going to be but whoever performs best in our sales team this year how much could they make a million dollars oh wow interesting okay and that means they're going to be bringing in what at least four or five million bucks of new arr yeah i would say that's probably fair yeah i, I haven't put a million i haven't put the math to it yet yeah. but i would think that's that's <laughs> That's what it would look like. Again, before we wrap up here, any other metrics you're tracking that I haven't asked about? I mean, you just strike me as a guy that's very precise, whether it's from sports and triathlons or business. Is there anything I'm missing here? Well, I think that we're a two-sided marketplace. So we have, you know, the contributors on on one end. These are the data collectors, the people who are finding, capturing the information for us. And then on the other side, we have the customers. And so we have to measure the funnels on both sides. We have the, the funnel for the contributors and how how much spend we have to get to get what we would call an engaged user. So an engaged user is someone who 
goes on on a weekly basis is using and, and making money with us versus how many some, of those are there currently? Um, we have, uh, I, I would say, a daily on a daily active user basis, we have about 50,000 daily active users. Engaged users, it's probably north of north of one and a half million. And that's and engaged then, means monthly, like they're active in a month? Weekly, weekly. Weekly. Yeah. And then people who have come on board and cashed out, so they, they did some tasks, they made some money, that number's a little bit north of three million. How much last year of total kind of expenses went to paying out these folks that are going out and collecting the data, the 50,000 or million that are active? Well, I'll, I'll give you the, the total number, but then I want to give you another number that I think is really cool. So about 5 million bucks. Okay. And what's the other number that's cool? We at, we're the only company that I know that pays for service in Bitcoin. So <laughs> last year, I, I just think this is, I just love this, man. I just love it. We paid out a million in Bitcoin last year. Well, so now that's what? Oh, Two and a half, three, four yeah. million. Yeah. That'd, be, that'd be crazy. We could, yeah, it, it, you just don't know because remember that. Earlier in the year, I mean, Bitcoin was what around ten, twelve thousand. Now it's at fifty. So you know, I'm I'm looking for that one contributor somewhere who made all that you know got paid in Bitcoin and then sat on it and now is a multimillionaire. So when does the premise token come out? When does this whole business move to blockchain? You know that that's something that I'm 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 really thinking about and exploring because I think it could be a really interesting opportunity for premise. Um, You'd be one of the first. I mean, a someone that has raised over 140 million dollars transitioning from a pure like a SaaS model to on. I don't think it's been done before. You'd be one of the biggest. I want that story. If you pull the trigger, I want the story. You got it, <laughs> Mari. On that note, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Oh, geez. Um, well, my favorite business book is Good to Great. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Well, I, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I love Elon. He's my guy. I mean, he's just so crazy and awesome. I mean, it just, I mean, like you, you gotta, you gotta give the guy credit, man. I mean, he takes on the biggest, I mean, the biggest, most hairiest, audacious plans, and turns them into gold. And we all love that about him. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building premise? Well, I could give you a canned answer like Slack. But, you know, I, I, I think I, I love to just use WhatsApp and just message people directly on a day-to-day -day basis to keep, you know, to keep tabs on things. Number four, Mari, how many hours of sleep you get every night? Probably five. Okay. And that surprises me. As an athlete, I thought you'd be optimizing for something greater than that. <laughs> well, I just, you know, the thing is, is that I can't turn it off. And so one of the things I find is the harder I work out, I definitely get I, I will definitely sleep longer, but I'm the type of person I go to bed at 10 and then I sleep till I wake up. Yep. I love that. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married. Any kiddos? Two. Two kids. And how old are you? 53 years old. 53. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? <laughs> Everything I know right now. Guys, there you have it. Premise.com launched in 2012, sort of spun their wheel, wheels through 2017, but still told a great story, raised 50, 60 million bucks. Mari came in in 2018, really got the thing going, doing 20 million bucks in revenue today, up from 10 million just a year ago. So healthy growth. There are two-sided marketplace. Brands like Ambev can use the tool to go get market data like Beer Freshness from over 1.5 million engaged users and consumers around the world using the Premise app to capture that data. Mari, we're rooting for you. Thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. Take care. All right, guys, cut. Mari, what do you think, dude? You have fun?
Oh, that was awesome. You're you're amazing, man. I, I'm really impressed. Numbers, man. I just I want to showcase great stories backed by numbers, so no faking. And man, you're you are on it. I mean, you just are a very interesting story. I hope we do much more together. Absolutely. All right. That was Take fun. Care.